Hi and welcome to the Sons of Anarchy UK podcast. Once again, I am joined by three of the biggest fans of Sons of Anarchy in the UK. They are three and not out so far. This is their third appearance and they are known as our UK originals or first three. And that is Wendy. Hello. And Lee. Hiya. And of course, Holly. Good evening. Good evening, ladies. And thanks once again for joining us. And what a discussion we are about to have. The subject of tonight's discussion is U.S. Marshal Lee Torek retired. Can you hear my voice, Mr. Delaney? <laughs> oh man, you should have just kept going. I know you want to die, and you will. But before that happens, there are a few things we need to do. Rico is dead, bitch. I ain't giving you shit. Whoever you are. This isn't about Rico. And I'm not a fed. I'm just a citizen. What do you want? I do want something. When a man is forced to put away what he does, sometimes he forgets who he is. Thank you for giving me something to want, Otto. Tell me, tell me, what brings Lee Torek to Charming? Well, his sister being murdered, (laughs) essentially. He was the nurse. Pamela, Pamela Torek, that's right, because she was the nurse at the the prison and, and Otto obviously killed her she was his only um his only family member i don't think he, he was literally no one else in the world he probably cared about apart from his sister and that that was that was it and suddenly she wasn't there so yeah that definitely brought him into sons of anarchy do you remember his first appearance on, on sons of anarchy i thought it was in the interrogation suite but i might be wrong there's a bit just before. I can't. I just can't remember that initial thing. I mean, I remember his his motive. I mean, he was hell bent on getting uh, son, the Sons of Anarchy, and he and he he made it. It felt like right from the off that was a one man crusade. I think Otto is in solitary confinement. I want to say because he was always doing shit at oh, the club, doing bits. I'm pretty sure Lee comes in, and Otto's like you know half blind at this point, and you can't really make out who he is. And you whisper something to him about this is going to be the worst last few months of your life. Right, because he started off with the beatings. That's right, because the the, the prison guards let him into Otto's little tiny cell. And he had that baton thing with him, didn't he? And he beat him. Dark little room. Practically senseless with that. That was our first introduction to, to Lee Torek. He was quite obviously blaming Sons of Anarchy for the death of... His sister, yeah. <laughs> he questioned Tara though. That was also very early doors. He yeah he came over at the start of that. I can see that scene in my head now, where he he was like the real caring brother, just wanted to find out you know what was going on, and then he started asking very pertinent questions about Jacks particularly. And Tara, I remember she was immediately oh hello, <laughs> I'm not sure this guy is who he's you know, is cracked up to be. So then it sort of played out from there. It all started, didn't it? 
Um, one of the things that that really sort of occurred to me or sticks in my mind is that I wouldn't class him as as bad a villain as somebody like Stahl or somebody like uh, A.J. Weston, purely mm. because if it hadn't have been Otto that murdered his sister, he would never have had a, an axe to grind against them. So it was only the, his, it was only Otto's action that got him involved. So yes. I think that's a fascinating point. Whereas, yeah. yeah, you're right. Most of the feds decided to pick the fight with Sam Crow. They came to them first, but this was retaliation, yeah. which does make you wonder, like, how far really is it acceptable to go when you're hurting as an act of retaliation? Because obviously the man isn't in his right mind. That is very much clear from the get-go. But you're right. You're absolutely right. He's not a villain in the traditional sense where he's the aggressor. He's very much yeah. looking for revenge and only revenge. They, they woke him up. They, they woke up the sleeping lion. They did. You say that, but don't forget the, the, the force, you know, the, the way he always introduced himself, like US Marshal retired. And we know mm. he was retired because basically he was kicked out for, for constant, constant use of excessive force. Yeah. And, and we saw how that played out because of the retaliation bit for his uh, sisters. But you can, mm. can only begin to imagine if that's what he's capable of. What was he doing to other people in the past? So I'm not altogether sure he isn't pure evil actually <laughs> yeah i mean he disturbed me a lot more than stall did for example yeah. and i you know if i had to choose one of the villains to come up against you know one of the sons of anarchy villains he would be like loaded on my list of people i probably couldn't beat in a fight totally. some of them could take him easy he I, I wouldn't fuck with he's got the law on his side kind of he's got the criminal underbelly on his side kind of and he's got this raw brute strength as well as intelligence which i think makes him a real yeah a real cocktail ice running through his veins he, really, he does he is like the epitome of that he really is the ice man he has he seems to show no emotion I was reading on Sancropedia, so shout out to the folks who maintain the forum, um, about uh, how Sutter was talking in the DVD extras about the fact that he has Huntington's, which never was actually addressed in the show, but I think is fundamental to understanding his character. Wow. It would explain the drugs for a start, like the amount of, you know, um, it's like a small pharmacy, his lodgings at the motel. Um, and a small armory as well. A small armory as well, yeah. And one of the features, I think, of mid to late stage Huntington's can be aggression, and it's to do with that kind of confusion as well as like um, physiological changes in the body, difference in regulating hormones and that kind of thing. It's quite an aggressive disease. So the fact that he kind of reflects that outwards, I think, is fascinating. And it's very much in keeping with what I've experienced secondhand of Huntington's disease. Like I have a friend from school whose father is unfortunately um, afflicted with sort of mid to late stage at this point. And um, one of the first things that really began to clue the family into what was going on with him was the fact that he started getting aggressive out of almost nowhere. He goes, you know, 50, 55 years, being a completely normal married man, four kids, good citizen, and then the aggression and complete personality change kicks in. So I think he's fascinating in terms of that as well. Yeah, I, I read about the hunting scene. He explains a lot. Do you remember that scene where he's in the motel room and, and, and he, he just keeps smashing his hand, doesn't he? Because yeah. he... Yeah. Really Clay signature or whatever it is at the time, but he couldn't control his hand for a bit and he kept... Yeah. It, he it back yeah, yeah. Motor issues are a big thing. It's like 
the worst bits of Alzheimer's cross with the worst bits of Parkinson's and it kind of comes from the same biological mechanism. So it's just, it's, it's, it's an awful progressive disease. I think it would have been fascinating if it was explored explicitly. I read that his lead torics was meant to be in for longer than than seven episodes, but yeah. part of his, his other role in the Vikings was really taken off, so they had to to end it early. So what just what more? Mm. What oh more God. was there to come? So mm. Lee Torric, a troubled man. Very. <laughs> I was never sure whether or not he was a drug addict or whether that was medication to support his illness or is it or a condition what were your thoughts on on that when you saw his pharmacy i thought he was it was a a drug issue i I mean when i saw it i i just thought oh my god there was some serious he's got some serious issues there and then the moment that holly brought out the fact that she read it that that has completely opened up a whole new you know a whole whole new doorway about it because i i had no idea and uh, if once you put that in the in the perspective, yeah, you can see that that explains his behaviour, that explains his weirdness, in, in for want of a better word, you know, that explains how you know he acted the way he did, maybe it's the aggression, the volume of drugs he had. I mean, if do, do, do I remember rightly, he had like this entire sports bag or some big just pure yeah. drugs in there. I mean, given that you know Huntington's, I appreciate, but must have been a, a massive reliance on drugs i mean he had a drug problem for sure to have that much on him at any one time it was a huge amount yeah i think i think i agree like obviously a lot of it is quite clearly you can tell it's in the little orange tubes like refills you get from your doctor from the pharmacies over there but um again one of the things that's been observed in patients with huntington's is that they can have i mean great personality changes humongous and also it can cause uh, like dysregulation of the sort of systems that regulate behavior in the brain. And sometimes that can lead to things like promiscuity out of nowhere, new appetites, drug addiction. It can lead to the, the aggression. So I think in keeping with that, I think it's possible he's developed a drug dependency out of the medications he needs to treat his illness because he'd had everything from you know, things to stop his tremors, he'd have things to help with the pain, he'd have things to help with perhaps the psychiatric symptoms, any delusions he might be having, mood swings, all that kind of stuff. So he would be on a bunch of medication, but you're right, I think there is an excess there that alludes to some kind of substance use issue. Hey, baby, what? Oh, Jesus, I'm sorry. shot me! Oh, shit, I'm sorry. It's it's okay, you're gonna... um... No, 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 you're gonna be fine, shh, no, 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 you're okay, you're okay, shh, it's gonna be okay, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. Okay, thanks. So after the the discussions with Otto, um, he'd started to, he'd arranged for Otto to be essentially raped daily by, by some gentlemen um, in from from the prison and mm-hmm. on reflection of last week's discussion where we discussed the attack on Gemma how do you think what do you think was different about the way that that was handled um for I guess from my perspective viewing it it, it seemed like a, there was a lot less 
not resistance is the wrong word that that Otto was almost more more helpless or had uh, given up hope. I, I don't know what it what 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 do you think was going on with that? I've actually been watching um, a couple. I watch a few podcasts. I'm actually watching um, one where uh, a guy that's done he has a serious time in prison, and there's quite a few of the podcasts that I follow. And quite often in prison, there was a lot of talk about male rape, and it's used a hell of a lot as a basically as a weapon. Um, and it could be that Otto had experienced that before, or had done that to other, had used that within his environment as in the prison. I mean, it, it would be, it's almost like a, uh, where, where they have the, the metal shanks or the metal um, blades, everyone sort of knows about that, and it's used where you, as you need to. Everyone fears, you know, who's going to attack me or whatever. And it, it's a, it's almost like currency, if you will, as a as a common weapon against somebody else. And so he may have been, have been used to knowing about that, and he may have had it done with him before. So. That's but, a horrendous thought. Yeah, it is. And it goes on a hell of a lot. Um, you know, I was, one of the guys that I listened to, he talked about one particular, and I'm not going to go into it, but I've heard mm. a, a lot and seen lots about it. It's a hard, sort of tough side of prison that he, he may already have known about. They were really tough scenes. I mean, unfortunately, he lost his own protection in the end, didn't he? And he was actually quite vulnerable. So he sort of took a bullet for the sons, sons essentially by being in Stockton all that time. And now he was like reduced to being in this like tiny little box with these. He lost his wife very much, and I, well, it was just so it was pitiful and it was awful, and he just wanted it to stop because it was just awful seeing those awful men go in day after day after day after day. It was relentless, mm. and and uh, Torik had made it absolutely clear that from that point he just wanted his life to be absolute and utter hell. And and you saw the state of the cell; it was very graphic. Wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. It so well, but afterward, I mean, all the the blood on the walls and and it was gross. I mean, it left a lot to your imagination, obviously. Um, but my days, that was brutal, absolutely brutal. And even the fact that he had, the, I mean, the guard must have known what he was doing in oh. there with him. Oh yeah. That makes you even more hateful. When Clay gets arrested, he tries to make a deal with Clay to turn on the club stop him getting put into general the general prison population where the gen pop as they call it gen pop yep that's the one yep gen pop <laughs> where um there's a, a contract there's a pr price on his head yeah there was there was a contract um and he does and eventually cause he, that's when he forges a signature he forges clay's signature on the confession i'm sure that he then takes yeah. to oh god is it patterson Yes, a DA. Yes, yes. attorney, Tyne Patterson. Tyne, that's it. So he does. So he tries to to do the same the same kind of thing. Um, so Lee Torek didn't just have a a thing for for drugs, and guns, but also oh. prostitutes. Yeah, yeah. yes, that's right. Aaron. And he Aaron. Had so, so what happened no. there? Just, just remind us what happened with Aaron. 
she was shot accidentally. Mm. There was some, she'd obviously done what she was paying for. I think for. Tyne was coming, and wasn't she, to check on and see how his investigation was going in the motel room. And he sort of, oh! It was just bizarre. And suddenly he got a gun in his hand and it just went off. She gets shot. And he's left there with this body. He didn't kill her. He panicked. Somehow the gun went off. So yeah. she was like pretty badly injured. But she was obviously making a noise. So he bundled her down by the side. I remember this scene. By the side of the bed to try and keep her quiet. And before we knew it, he put a pillow over and shot her through the head. Through So the bullets went into the, the floor underneath. No one was aware of what he'd done because he had a silencer on there. Well, yeah, he literally just puts her down like a dog, you yeah. know, who's in pain no flinching no second thoughts no it doesn't even seem like there's any other kind of alternative that occurs to him he's straight to well okay now she's been shot i'm gonna have to kill her it's just it's his reaction it's so quick nothing registered and and, and if anything was registering it was how he was going to fit up someone else for the for the murder yeah. you know, the trouble with this character is there is so much to talk about him it's spinning i can i can feel us spinning off on different tangents because you're right mm. Touched so much in that short time he was in there. Wow, he really, really did. It yeah, was shit stirrer. Yeah, he reached out and damaged so many people around him um, purposefully. <laughs> I'm falling foul of that. I'm going off down little rabbit holes in my head, remembering what he did and what happened. Yeah, no. I think one of the things that caught my eye talking of tangents um, was he was caught reading a book by Antonin Artaud at one point, who's a French dramatician. This is me going back to my A-level days, like, goodness gracious. Um, and he was famous for something called the Theatre of Cruelty, oh, which right. I think is something quite relevant. So when you were talking about um, the assault that Otto endures in solitary confinement, the fact that you pointed out it was so gruesome, it was almost theatrical, it, it's it very much in keeping with this idea that... Um, I guess, I guess Sons of Anarchy in itself would fall under Theatre of Cruelty or like um, In Your Face Theatre is the other one. They That's another term that he coined, this idea that nothing should be, you know, sugar-coated, nothing should be, you know, censored. We should, life on stage should reflect life in the real world where it's gruesome and in all of its black and blue hues and bloody and all that kind of stuff. But I think oh, perhaps as well it may imply that he's almost studied and almost revised ways of creating this theatre of cruelty very much aimed at Otto. And, you know, he's enacting his own personal hell, his own personal theatre of cruelty on him. Judge, jury and executioner, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So I find that fascinating. So it's a little, it feels metatextual in one way, but kind of interesting on the interior, what it might mean for Lee Torek's character, I think. How you doing, Clay? Lee Torek, U.S. Marshal. Retired. You mind if I sit? Retired. Ain't you fishing in the wrong hole? We both should be fishing. But here we are. <clears throat> I know you didn't kill Damon Pope. Man with your skill and experience wouldn't be so careless as to toss a weapon with Prince a few hundred yards from a murder scene. My guess, Jax Teller took out Pope. From what I hear, he blames Pope for the death of his friend in the catacombs here. But then he pins the murder on you. Why? 
Maybe you just didn't love him enough as a kid. Huh? Outlaws turning on outlaws is nothing new. But an old lady turning on her old man. That's a serious breach of MC protocol. What happened there? Maybe I just didn't love her enough. As a proud owner of three ex-wives, that unfortunately makes sense. Let me guess. You're the guy I could thank for this private suite here. Yes, I am. Mm-hmm. Clay was, um, actually, to start with, I felt Clay really was almost bought into what almost. Torek was doing. You know, I think because Clay was in a pretty bad way himself. You know, he'd been fitted up, hadn't he, effectively by Jax. He knew it. Um, he knew Gemma had... Um, obviously done the dirty on him as well by uh, helping Jax get him in prison in the first place by, you know, backing his story up. So he was totally betrayed. So he did cooperate with Torik to start with, actually. However, he wasn't that silly because it all it all hinged on the fact that uh, he wouldn't sign Torik's document. I think it was some sort of cooperation document. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wouldn't unless uh, he could see Jax and Gemma. And I know Torek managed to get Gemma in to see him, but couldn't track Jax down. And so, Clay, I know he did not sign that document, which is why Torek forged his signature, which we saw that back in the hotel. Got on a really great point there, Wendy, that ultimately Torek's his own downfall because he threatens Clay with the same treatment that Otto is going to have. And he... There's a meeting between like both Otto and Claire in the infirmary at the same time, and that's when Claire hands him the the scalpel and and says like end the pain or something like that. And I thought he was going to kill himself. Mm-hmm. I thought I thought that that my first thought was that Otto was going to kill himself, but no, he kept that. Yeah. So I think ultimately that Torek bringing them together was what. Yeah. Helped um, it almost yeah. brought his own downfall. I wrote a note about that. I've literally got it in front of me. I said Otto arranges his own murder without realising it as he arranged for Clay to meet Otto. If you were like looking at, at Lee Torek and you thought how much of him wants to achieve it legally, get a you know, break the suns, destroy them through. He's trying to get Rico again yeah. Um, yeah. by getting Otto to admit to past crimes and Clay to admit to current crimes. But the way he was going about it was iffy at best. I was going to say on the surface of it, I think I think probably maybe because he needed or tried very much to get the cooperation of the DA, he would have on the surface of it want to appear that's what he's doing. I don't honestly believe he really gave two monkeys, quite frankly. No. Um, you know, okay. he would have got them. By the fact anyway, that he could. Flesh and blood was killed. And, you know, he was so sort of, that's the only thing that he could see. And it, maybe it clouded his everything else. You know, he was so driven the fact that he was in a position to, to mete out justice to whoever. You know, yeah, and he, he was stretching in different directions because also, don't forget, he also tried to scare Tara as well yes um, do you remember that 
her that brought the crucifix in, yeah. wasn't it? And yeah. he tried to scare her as well, but she wasn't having any... Because she was in prison herself, wasn't she? Or she was she on remand yeah. or something for that? But he tried to put the screws on Tara and she wasn't she she wasn't having it. And he was really trying to make yeah. it really good for her, saying, oh, I can, you know, I can make sure can find a life for you and your your, your son or your children da 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 bloody da 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 uh, she she didn't fall for that at all she she did protect jack so um so that route was closed off to him as well he wasn't getting anywhere there either yeah he's resourceful i'll give him that and has some tenacity too i've got this memory and it might be wrong that when he goes to see patterson for the first time mm. he hands over this like battered and tattered business card no he does you're right yeah and it's like it's like he's just found it at the back of his jeans that have been in the wash and it just that kind of for me almost summed him up a little bit he's someone who's mm. like, you actually wonder what what it was he had done before you know what is his backstory apart from the fact that he had a sister that was a nurse yeah. what has he come from what you know what has he done that was so bad that got him kicked out he certainly had a good inroad with um, the DA, though, uh, yes. Patterson, because that brought in that dreadful scene uh, with the school shooting, didn't it? Oh, Darvany Jennings. Yes. Uh, what was it? KG9. Because it was a KG9, he joined the dots and thought that has got sons of anarchy. Bislats and, yeah. So he was able to sort of use that knowledge and his own experience because that's what we were led to believe he excelled in, how he sold himself anyway, tracking people down that uh, mm. of that ilk. And so, yeah, I think that's how he got tying the, um, the DA rather, a little, little bit one over, but she was actually quite clever, I thought. I think the club asked Unser to, to, to find out more about, about Torek. Sounds right. And Anunta comes back with Harvard education, ex-special forces, recruited into the U.S. Marshals in '91. Lots of hope, lots of high-profile arrests, commendations up the yang, as well as a long list of misconduct violations, excessive force, intimidation, racial profiling. Oh, Looks hmm. like he was uh, forced into early retirement. The little sister, she was his only family. I think we need to talk about um, the demise of, of Lee Torek. So we talked about how he inadvertently, Wendy said, really great line, that he inadvertently planned his own his own death. So he's promising that he's going to write some information down about the club, so the Rico case can be back on. And you, you see Otto, you know, with his one eye patch and there's barely any sight in his other eye, no tongue there on like a... A gurney in the hospital, and he writes out, "Your sister's blood tasted as good as her pussy." Like, <laughs> I can remember exactly when he was something like the imagination of that man, <laughs> commendable. Oh my god! Talk about provocative. Yeah. So Torik exploded, didn't he? He attacked Otto. Yes. He went mental because <laughs> he went what the kids call ape shit. Yeah. <laughs> He actually, uh, yeah, Otto managed to press that button, <laughs> that great big massive red button in Torek. Um, and he, he went straight for Otto. Um, and while he was close and not thinking, he just jabbed yeah. him repeatedly with his little prison shank. And then I believe slit his throat. Well, the he guards got, ran in, didn't yeah. they? The guards ran in. And as they ran in, that was a great scene because they couldn't stop it. 
he had him positioned and he, that's when he slit his throat and that's when yeah. they opened fire. If I remember multiple times on Otto, they didn't just yes. fire once, they, they really meant business. And so he was shot several times. I mean, that's the but, law of the States. Yeah, it has to be equal force. And if you've just seen a man kill another, you're fine to shoot the prisoner dead. There's not going to be any yeah. repercussions there, I don't think. Well, they did it though. It was like so many bullets were flying and then the, the aftermath was just... Yeah. <laughs> I find it fascinating though that Torek was like, don't stop him, don't come in, don't... In. The yeah. toxic masculinity was off the chain on that one. It's like, I'd rather die than someone intervene in my fight, exactly. finish my fight for me, or, you know, separate us out and make us talk like <laughs> rational human beings. And I mean, in a way, Sons of Anarchy is a real examination of that toxic masculinity. How many problems would have been solved if they just communicated like human beings <laughs> like if you just think about the amount of times miscommunication caused a death that caused a misunderstanding caused a fight oh, can oh, you imagine how much could have been averted if these dysfunctional emotionally disconnected men but just sat fair, down and were honest story and we wouldn't have had the lovely sons of anarchy <laughs> we wouldn't we wouldn't but i think i think that's deliberate on Sutter's part you know they all personify different kind of areas of toxic masculinity and you know, they eventually pay for it, you know? Yeah, no, the no. idea that you got these gun-toting, criminal, bike-riding, hard man, starting fights, drinking too much, having lots of sex kind of men and the glamorised, idealised, almost James Bond-like, invincible, outlaw, in-law kind of thing. And do you remember what um, Lee Torek's final words were? No, I don't what? remember exactly what... It's something along the lines of... Well, I didn't see that one coming, or I didn't see that oh. coming, or something like that. Yeah, that rings a bell. Before Otto right. rags the knife through his throat. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, Lee Torrick got what he deserved. Yeah, I think Otto was liberated by the fact that he had nothing else to lose. You know, he he didn't actually really see the club anymore, apart from maybe Jacks a couple times in prison and Lenny when he could, you know interact with him in presumably gen pop when he wasn't in you know solitary confinement for whatever he'd done this time you know he, he, he'd lost the will to live you can see that wholly you know you mentioned earlier his reaction to the sexual assault he just seemed to be numb to it he just seemed to be passive sort of dissociating kind of just out of body just kind of waiting for it to be over which is just hideous it really is but I think, in a sense, that gives him a freedom, that idea that he is awaiting death, that he has nothing left to lose. And he really is the son's first line of defence in prison against that Rico case when he chomps out his tongue, spits it into his hands and tosses it at the one-way mirror. Way to commit. Because yeah. he's, li he's literally like, try me. There is nothing I haven't lost at this point. I've lost my freedom. I've lost my wife. I've lost my family and my friends. I'm cut off from society try me the club is all he has left at this point i think you're right and that was just what i was gonna say i think we he's literally lost everything because he didn't want to be released he didn't want time off his sentence he did he wanted to die he wanted to die he, he says that after and then um yeah luan was his life yeah luan was his life yeah. um yeah, but, but obviously Torek, that that's that, that as soon as that as, as uh, Otto threw his tongue, yeah, and, and uh, Torek was the other side of that glass. I mean, it was at that moment he realised that his his actual plan at that point was completely stuffed up. 
because um, he wouldn't be, you know, obviously Otto wouldn't be able to give evidence um, in a Rico case. I mean, he did go back eventually to try and get him to write it all down, <laughs> but that's after he tried to try clay and tried to put pressure on Tara. Yeah, yeah, no, he, he in, in a strange sort of way, he was led a merry dance himself, actually. You know, because his mission was far from clean cut. Um, he just wanted pure revenge, uh, mm. and smashing the Sons of Anarchy in doing it was the way he he chose. Um, but it seemed to me every corner he turned, as horrible as he was, and the awful things he inflicted on people. The evidence in Nero's car. So calculated. I mean, that poor girl, you know, he kills her so mercilessly and so brutally in that sense, with no feeling whatsoever. Nero put in prison, thinking he was the one that did it. So he's obviously suffered as well. But the way he did it, though, again, we come back to his cold calculation thing, you know, carefully selected some strands of hair, carefully selected some torn bits of her clothing and then very carefully put it in for Nero's car. One did come good at the end. Once once um, Torric had been killed by Otto, that they went into the motel room, didn't they? And they found all the guns, they found all the pills. The bullet in the floor. And they found the bullet in the Bleach floor. Yeah. everywhere and the bullet in the floor. It always seemed to me that it's probably, it's a great reflection of his character in, in this, that Lee Torric was always on the edge of losing control and it seemed that's how he went about his cause that he was never fully in control of it of what was going on he was never fully in control of Otto it was always that something was about to go wrong or did go wrong when he when he killed when he killed that poor girl first of all it was an accident the first shot then it was just like it was almost as that his investigation was almost as unhinged as he was he met his match in more than many ways the more I think about this character, um, he came with a history of excessive force, etc., etc. So you get the racism. He's mm. always got his own way. He, he he made it his his life's ambition, if you like, to get the bad guys, even if they weren't. You know, he'd still do it. But he met his match, didn't he? Uh, going to Stockton and and, and coming into contact with um, anyone connected to the Sons, they were more mm. than a match for him. Yeah. He, he under I think he truly, truly underestimated them, actually. He comes in as the yeah. Harvard educated law enforcement man. He's thinking these are a bunch of, you know, lowly outlaws from backwater California. Like what can they possibly know about, you know, the law and how things work? I could easily stitch them up. But you're right, he met his match. The sons at your peril. Definitely. And something else that occurred to me, just kind of talking this evening with you guys, was kind of perhaps in a way he foreshadows Jack's and his descent into madness, if you like. It's all very Shakespearean. This idea that he loses the last thing he has to lose. Because Jack's very much goes on a crusade, just like Torric, after Tara's killed. At the end of the day, how, how dissimilar are the outlaws to the in-laws, if you like, and what's the difference where do you draw the line between mr lee Torek operating outside of the law and the sons yet again it's it's very interesting the shades of gray there are fascinating it isn't when we talked when we talked just this time last week we talked about the similarities between aj weston and jackson that mm. all everything seems to be in in intertwined and what i i really think there's a there's a bit of poetic justice is probably the wrong word wrong phrase but that Lee Torek seemed to have always been destined someone with his kind of background was always destined to be in charming he seems like he's the perfect fit for the the charming lifestyle of 
things on the edge of the law or damn illegal bending. time on the fringe of civilization yeah. and civilized society and, yeah and that sheer brutality it's almost he came to the place that he was meant to to meet his end it was it's all feels like charming is the perfect place for Lee Torek. you know what we need to do a whole episode on charming as a character because yeah. i there's so much to be said there it is like a destination for lost souls almost isn't it it's this place where people go to make mistakes or make the best of themselves and rarely does anyone leave whether <laughs> alive or migrating you animal Once again, it's time for us to rate the character that we are discussing this evening, and we are going to create a top trump um, for Mr. Lee Torek. Five categories, as always, brutality, intelligence, loyalty, street cred, and likability. So Lee Torek and brutality. I'm going to start Holly for brutality and Lee Torek. Honestly? I came out at 100% with this one, the big three digits, just like Lee knocked them out last week, beat me to it, beat me to the punch. I just think he really did employ every possible brutal means inside of the law, outside of the law. He weaponized sexual assault. He weaponized actual violence in terms of beatings. His death was even brutal. His sister's end was brutal. His pursuit of things was brutal right to the end. I think, honestly, 100 for Lee, just because of how... He lived, and even it's even implied before we get to the show that he was quite a one when he was employed at the U.S. Marshal's office. So, yeah, three digits for me, brutality 100. You're going to hate me because I've actually, I've also agreed with Holly. I've gone the whole 100. I, I, I can't even bring myself to say 99 because this man is a pure evil killing machine. I think, like I said earlier, he has ice in his veins. He has no shows, no remorse. I can say no more. And, and that is 100% brutal to me. I can't think of anything redeeming for that man at all. I'm going to be devil's advocate and go 99. <laughs> 99. <laughs> you, wow. you love it. You love to see it. So, really so why so why so high? Yeah, it, it was, yeah, it was brutal. Yeah. Didn't he get one of the Mexicans to open a bottle with his teeth on a table. Oh, yes, the on the bismats. Oh, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah. forgot all about that bit. Oh, yeah, well done, Steve. Yeah. Oh, my. did. And that is one of my squicks, I tell you that. I can't cope with dental or teeth stuff. So that was a bad moment for me. A bad, bad moment. I went 97. Um, I didn't want to. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to give anyone 100. I'm, I'm a bit arsy like that. So, um, but I don't know what more he could have done to prove brutality. 
I think this guy broke all the rules himself. Uh, I can't, I, I like you, I don't want to really go 100 or zero. I don't like that. It doesn't seem <laughs> real. But I, I searched and searched for this and I thought a long time and I could not find any other way through it for me. Next is intelligence. Um, no, I gave him 92 for this one. Uh, and that is purely because I thought he was an incredibly intelligent man, actually. Um, except, uh, literally, he didn't see his own death coming. <laughs> and that's simply uh, why uh, I gave him 92. I would go with the same as Wendy. I would say 90 or 90%, I'd say. He's very, very sharp. But obviously, the, the, the 10 that's missing is the underestimating the sun. The blind, I mean, they, they were all the all the villains are blindsided by the fact that, you know, the sons have got one bet on them. Yes, mine came out a little lower at 83. Um, controversial. Clearly the guy's smart if he's got a Harvard education, you know, best and brightest in the US kind of smart. Um, clearly he had some degree of excellence in his career if he managed to graduate all the way to US Marshal. That's quite a position. Yeah, I think he lacks intelligence in other ways. I think if you have to resort to any kind of brute force, you've kind of lost intellectually. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And he did go the manipulative routes and he did go the political routes. You know, he went to the DA, he went to the club independently, went to the prison, to the prison agents there, and all kinds of stuff. But yeah, I just don't think he's quite as bright as he thinks he is, maybe. You know, getting caught for the murder, leaving the bullet stuck in the floor, that kind of stuff, you know leaving the smoking gun at the crime scene. So uh, I, I, I left him in 83. Very similar to, to Holly. I went for 82 and it was similar kind of things that he had the potential to score higher and I think he had the potential to completely nail the Suns. But he made such careless mistakes. Um, so things like killing poor Aaron. Also, he, he kind of got cocky at the end, which is mm. ultimately led to his, his downfall. He thought he'd broken Otto. He was about to break clay, rubbing his hands together, and that's ultimately what led to his death. So I went for 82. Okay, loyalty. Interesting one. I think the only person he could be loyal to would be his sister. And that he's very much a lone wolf. So if it, if it was questioning his loyalty to his sister, I'd be 100 but loyalty to other people, well, he had nothing to be loyal about. He didn't really, it, it was his, him on a crusade mm-hmm. and there wasn't anybody else that he could be loyal to if, if he wanted to be. So I think it drew his sister a hundred. I put him at 13, lucky for some. Um, again, I just don't see that he has any particular loyalty to any particular moral code, to the law to um, perhaps associates like um, Time Patterson, as we've said already this episode. Um, I think the only discernible person he has loyalty to is his sister. But even then, I think there's something interesting about the fact that he remembers her or mourns her memory by going on a killing spree when she's a nurse. It's kind of in defiance of what she lived her life in service of. You know, she's a she's a healer, you know, Hippocratic Oath, do no harm, first do no harm, you know, that kind of thing. So I think, feel like he has any particular loyalty except to himself and maybe this idealised version of his sister that exists in his head. I don't think she'd approve in any way of this kind of 
manipulation and killing spree he went on. So 13, that's why I left him. Um, I gave him a nine, uh, pure and simple. He's the only person he's loyal to is his sister. He is, has he shows no loyalty to anybody else. Um, only himself, obviously. <laughs> but he has no loyalty for anybody other than his sister. My I, my score for for Lee Torek on loyalty was eleven, so it's right in between um, Wendy and Holly there. Um, I think I agree with with Lee that in in his mind his loyalty was completely at his sister, but every other relationship in that that he had either um, he wasn't loyal to Otto, to Clay, even though he was trying to, to turn them. He wasn't loyal to Patterson. He wasn't loyal to to anyone that kind of got in his way. So I think I, I gave him 11. Okay, interesting one next is um, Street Cred. So. Um, I brought him out at 12. I mean, obviously he would have respect on the street because he's a feared individual, such as any law enforcement with me, and he looks the way he looks. Um, but I think the fact that he is a Fed kind of removes certain level of street credibility. I think the fact that he walks around in three-piece suits kind of damages any street cred he might have. Like, unless you're a mobster in New York in the 1920s, I don't think that shit really rubs anymore. And I don't think he conducts himself in a particularly... I mean, he's definitely intimidating, but I don't think he'd be intimidating to other people working in the sort of criminal sphere. So... I left him at 12. It's funny how we view things, isn't it? Uh, for very similar reasons, but I've scored him 91 purely uh, because he's such a seasoned killer. And I think whether you are a good guy or a bad guy, I think that would be recognised. So whether you hate the guy or whether you respect him, can't believe anyone would, but in certain circles he might be respected because of his history and what he's capable of doing and this killing machine that he is. And... As, as much as I wouldn't think I'd like it particularly, I would be incredibly wary. So, yeah, I think I'd, from a street cred point of view, I, I think it's high. I think it's the bit where Tara's told Jax that Lee Torek had been to see her and he'd been to Unser to find out what the crack was. And it was almost, he was almost like, who is this guy? Then all of a sudden he's told and it's like, I've got to take this guy seriously. You know, it's, it's almost yeah. gone from an annoyance to, uh, uh, oh, fuck. <laughs> I've just realised now that Lee's put two of her ratings for street cred on how they look out of clothes. So after David Hale and um, oh. <laughs> and Lee's <laughs> <horror>. <laughs> So, Good girl, I love it. Woman after my own heart. <laughs> the street cred I went for twenty-one, very similar. That I always, th- I kind of go back to what I said in episode one. Would I hang out in a bar and have a drink with him? Um, no, no. But has he got some respect? And he clearly has because only Eli out of the law enforcement doesn't really get on board. Everyone else mm. seems to like have a respect and he's definitely got some some respect in the prison system because mm-hmm. he can basically wander around Stockton yeah. prison as if he owns the or joint less, yeah so I, I, they can open up whatever door he mm-hmm. chooses to go in and tap somebody so yeah, yeah. so so I, I do um rate him at 21 and finally wow here we go likability 
likability. Wendy, how likable is Lee Torek? Oh God, I'm really sorry. You're going to hate me because I really don't <laughs> like Lee, but I've scored him a big fat zero. I have. There is nothing to like about this man. That's it. There is just nothing. It's like I don't know what else to say. I'm sorry. Seeing as how you can't go into negative numbers, I'm going to get a zero. <laughs> Uh, I put him at a six because I kind of admire his loyalty to his sister because I have a sister and I, I probably would also go on a murder crusade if anything happened to her. And also, I feel like I could braid his hair. So he gets a six for the long, braidable Irish looking hair. So I went for a big fat one um, because I, I like to believe nobody's beyond help. Oh, maybe. Well, he, well, maybe. Very sweet. Maybe I'm wrong, but so I gave him a one. Okay, so the final scores for Lee Torek: brutality, 99; intelligence, 86; loyalty, 33; street cred, 31; likability, two. <laughs> Sounds about right. We're after the huge success of last week. We are bringing back our wheel of names again. Are, are you excited? Yes. Very exciting. So we have discussed, so far in this series, we've discussed um, David Hale, AJ Weston, Lee Torek, and who is going to be the subject of next week? Oh. Oh, So we have both mine and, uh, we have both an Irish character and a female, Trinity Ashby. Love Trinity Ashby. Good, I like Trinity only appeared oh. in a few episodes. The um, mother of the three-headed baby. <laughs> <laughs> Potentially, yes. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Okay, so exciting. We'll, next week we will be discussing Trinity Ashby. And until then, thanks very much for downloading the podcast. You can contact us or follow us at SOAUK podcast on twitter or s-a-o-u-k podcast at gmail.com finally i would like to say last but not least a thank you to our, our, our panel this evening thanks lee thank you wendy thank you and holly thank you very much tim